Podcast brought to you by the Pulse Podcasting Network and me, Matt Bruning. It is uh, you can follow me at Sports Fanatic MB on Twitter for today's podcast. Uh, we've got just really some prospect talk going on here. Obviously, it's Super Bowl week. We cannot be more excited to get Sunday here so we can watch the Super Bowl. But there's really no point in breaking the game down that much, like a lot of other places are going to be doing all throughout the week until Thursday. Thursday is when me and Dennis will be breaking down the Super Bowl from our perspectives. But until then, let's keep talking about 2019. So over the past couple episodes, we've been talking about our 2019 prospects. And today, I'm going to have Dennis on here again. He'll be joining me in just a minute. And we'll be going over our 2019 wide receiver ranks, our top 10 as of right now. Again, we still have a little bit of the process still left to go. Excited to go over that with him. And then we will also, before we jump into that, talk about our 2018 wide receiver prospects, kind of who we had ranked where, where they ended up finishing and all that stuff. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get Dennis on here. All right, guys, and as I was just talking about, here is Dennis joining us today to talk about our uh, wide receivers and everything for 2019 and 2018. What is going on, Dennis? Uh, I am just looking forward to doing a little wide receiver review and prognostication going forward. It's been a Getting cold up here in Ohio, so uh, I can imagine uh, my screens are going black. Let's see what's going to happen here. So, what? Uh, how bad has it gotten up there? I mean, again, uh, for a lot of the podcasters who know, I live in Texas, and uh, it is a uh, uh, you know I don't want to brag about it, uh, but we've had like you know lows in the twenties, thirties at night, but then it's been about 50s, 60s during the day. How bad is it getting up there in the great state of Ohio? It's kind of been up and down. Uh, we had a high today in the low 40s, and Wednesday we're scheduled to have a high of one. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that does not sound like fun at all. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I miss I miss being in Ohio, uh, obviously from there. Love, love the great state. Uh, wish I could be there more often, but, yeah, I don't miss that at all, the single digits and then, then the below freezing negatives, all that. Yeah, that, that's not, I don't miss that one <laughs> bit. All right, so as I was uh, just explaining to the listeners a minute ago, we are going to go over a couple different things here. Uh, for the Pro Bowl and uh, Senior Bowl, I'm going to be honest, I did not watch the Pro Bowl at all. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and let you, uh, if you have anything you want to talk about with the Pro Bowl, you can let me know, and then we'll jump right into the Senior Bowl after that. I didn't watch it either. I just threw it on the show sheet, didn't know if it was something you wanted to talk about. I kind of figured since you didn't make any notes that you didn't watch it either. So yeah, I mean, I, I you know I saw that uh was it Zeke and Barkley rushed Deshaun Watson and uh, you know Adam Thielen I think threw an interception or something like that. But yeah, I just for me uh, I appreciate what they're doing uh, with the Pro Bowl. I, I they do get very high ratings every year, so obviously somebody's watching the games. And I just 
for me, it's not really a football game. And I understand why those guys don't want to play anymore at that point. You know, they've kind of dragged their bodies through hell for an entire season as it is. The last thing you want to do is go out there in a game that's supposed to be not necessarily fun, but it obviously doesn't really mean anything. Go out there and, and throw your bodies on the line one more time and get injured. Like I think Tyler Eifert did uh, a couple years ago, got that serious injury in the Pro Bowl. So I understand why uh, they don't do anything with it. As for the Senior Bowl, which was uh, Saturday, I have not actually gotten to watch the full game yet. Uh, I've watched the first two quarters, but that is it. I haven't had a chance to finish watching it. Obviously, I know Daniel Jones had himself a great day. I thought Tyree Jackson uh, looked good as well in the little clips and highlights I've seen of him. Uh, who stood out for you at the Senior Bowl and your thoughts on that game? You know, I, I feel like even though Jones won the game's MVP, I, I kind of felt like he didn't really show a whole heck, whole heck of a lot. Okay. Uh you know, he he uh, just he he made some plays, but it's it's a tough situation. I think during practice throughout the week, you know, the game is sort of anticlimactic, and so practices are kind of where it's at there. Right. And from all uh, reports and uh, things I caught on the NFL Network, Drew Locke seemed to be the quarterback having the uh, uh, the good practices. Uh, yeah. Jackson was up and down. I, I definitely think he helped his stock. Um, but I still think he's going to be quite a project. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm warming up to Jackson, though. Uh, I know you've been on him for quite some time, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I think there's uh, going to be some opportunity for him to really step up. Uh, I was a lot higher on Finley going into the game, and uh, Finley didn't do a, do much. Uh-huh. Now he he did a whole lot heck of a whole heck of a lot more than Gardner Minshew did, but uh, uh, Minshew had a pretty rough day and a, a rough week all around. I think him and Trace McSorley both kind of struggled all week long. Yeah. So, uh, from the running back perspective, I don't know there. Dexter Williams kind of made, he made some nice plays, but I don't think there was a whole lot of other things that really jump out. Uh, again, I, I kind of, I had it on, I was watching him stretches here and there, but I didn't, I haven't sat down and, and looked over the game closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry McLaurin continued to perform. I think he really helped his stock. I think he's going to end up being uh, overdrafted um, oh, really? a little bit uh, just because I, I don't know how ready he is to play, but he's certainly special teams ready. Okay. Uh, I think he, he can make he, – I, I feel like he's going to be able to make himself a nice long career as a wide receiver three, wide receiver four, four team oh, that, that plays special teams. So. That's He's a, that kind of guy where I can see him, you know, you look back 12 years from now and you'll be like, wow, this guy was in the league for 12 years and, and uh, he's still catching 35 passes a year and, and uh, making some plays and solid special teamer. So that's uh, that's going to be very interesting for me because uh, just a little bit of foreshadowing, he might be in my top 10 for the 2019 wide receivers. So uh, very interesting that uh, that you said that about him. Cause I, I agree with you on the fact that uh, – uh, everything you were just kind of talking about with those guys. Again, I, I pay attention to all that stuff, obviously, but I just haven't had a chance to watch the game fully uh, to kind of give my perspective on it. But uh, I agree, and everything what you've said is everything I've heard, and that Locke has really kind of boosted his value this week. Jackson has done a good job of boosting his value, while Jones, even though he won the MVP, uh, kind of capped off a very bad weekend for him. Gardner Minshew, the same. Uh, and then the same thing with the running backs and wide receivers. I haven't heard much about anybody but uh, Terry McLaurin. He's the only one that I've heard has boosted his value uh, based on everything that people have talked about, the way he's run his routes, different stuff he's done throughout the Pro Bowl weekend, which, again, 
I might have uh, boosted him up a little bit based on some of the things that I've seen and heard. Uh, so we'll see. We'll definitely get into that here in a minute. But it was good to good to know uh, your thoughts on that. Obviously, like I said, um, something we'll we'll discuss here more eventually. But it's not the Senior Bowl is not the end all be all, and I'm sure you agree on that. It's just part of the process. Uh, you know what? No matter what happened here this past weekend, didn't change anybody for me. My quarterback rankings have stayed the same since we talked about them last week, um, and really since I've kind of talked about them back in week eight when I've released some of my articles. Um, you know, they they haven't changed any anything for me. It'll be the whole process, what we see through the draft, or not the draft, the combine and uh, the pro days, and then where they get drafted could be. Uh, something that changes them for me. Do you agree with that? Does the, the, the Pro Bowl, Senior Bowl, or well, the Pro Bowl, they don't play in the Pro Bowl, the Senior Bowl or the Combine or anything like that change anything majorly for you? Is it just kind of the whole process in general? Well, I think it's certainly certainly part of the long game. You have to play. For some prospects, the more exposure, exposure that you can get, the more it can help you. Obviously, the more it can hurt you if you don't perform. Right. But – for uh, the guys, if you're in the Senior Bowl, um, you know you didn't come out early, so it wasn't like you were a superstar in college. You might have been a star, you might have been really good, but for the most part, if you're good, if you're a superstar, uh, you're not going to play your senior year in college. Right. So these are all guys that they're going to be coming into the league a, a year older than the quote unquote superstars. They're going to have to really work on making that impression as the process plays out between now uh, and the NFL draft. And then, then once they get into camp, you know, a Terry McLaurin, he's going to have to come in and he's going to have to prove himself uh, worthy of that fifth spot. Cause he's probably, I think he, he'll probably be a fourth or fifth round draft pick. Maybe he should be a fifth or sixth round draft pick. Um, but somewhere between the fourth and sixth round, He's going to get in there and he's going to have to show the NFL team, hey, you should keep me on your on your roster. Right. You know, Andy Isabella, he's going to come in and he's going to have to show that he can do something besides play the slot because he's probably not going to go to a team that has an open slot spot. So he's going to be, you know, a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round draft pick. Uh, and so while he was super productive in college, it was at a small school. He's going to he needs these. Uh, events, the Senior Bowl, the the Pro Days, the Combines. He he has to show teams, hey, there's more to me than just being fast and playing the slot. Right, yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Andy Isabella, I'm glad that you mentioned him. I saw a lot of people talking about him this weekend, and I wish I could remember, I wish I would have wrote it down when we were uh, kind of talking back and forth earlier. There was someone uh, I was thinking about comparing him to because uh, I think – the way that his name is kind of shooting up the board uh, reminds me a lot of somebody last year who came in. Oh, well, this may not actually work with you because I know you are a huge Rashad Penny fan. Uh, but Rashad Penny, he was not getting a lot of love going into the Senior Bowl. Then he had a very good Senior Bowl game last year, and it really kind of shot him up a lot of people's boards because he looked so fast and he ran so well in the Senior Bowl. Um, and I think that is kind of becoming Andy Isabella here, and I wonder if he's going to get overdrafted because of it, because I personally don't think that he is that great. I mean, he's a top probably 16, 17 wide receiver in this class for me, but he's not even in my top 15. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe that'll be something with the performance that he had, maybe not NFL-wise, but I could see it something in the end. 
our world here, fantasy, someone that gets drafted way too early uh, in our rookie drafts because they think that he's going to be like the next guy with how fast he looked and how good he looked in the senior bowl um, and get someone that's overdrafted and ends up not necessarily panning out. Not that I don't think Rashad Penny will pan out because uh, I think running back, wide receiver, a little bit different position, obviously. I think Rashad Penny, as much as I like to give him crap and the p- fact that I'm not necessarily that big on him, I do still think he has a chance uh, to be a decent RB2 where I don't see that with Isabella. I think he's at best for fantasy, probably a wide receiver three or four. Yeah, he's he's Cole Beasley. Well, that's actually a very good com- uh, comp. I've heard uh, someone else say that as well. I think I, I think he's probably obviously faster than Cole Beasley, but I would not disagree with you on that. I think that uh, that's a very fair player comp. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our 2018 rookie ranks. So how we're going to do this, uh, I'm going to ask you for who you ranked your, uh, who you had as your number one wide receiver for the 2018 wide receivers, I'll give mine. And then we'll talk about who finished in what position down through the top. I've got the top 10 here listed on my phone. So who did you have uh, as your number one wide receiver in 2018? I had Cortland Sutton as my number one. Uh, I, I tend to be team big wide receiver. Uh-huh. Uh, and Sutton fits that mold. Plays, he's a good outside receiver, runs pretty good routes, can go up and get the ball, has good speed, strong. Uh, and so I gave him the edge at my number one. I, I really liked uh, the situation he went to. Uh, he had a good mentor, I think, in Demarius Thomas. Right. And a nice path for future playing time. I was a little surprised that it came as early as it did. I would have... Uh, Initially going in, I thought it was going to be a um, year-long process for him to get into uh, his spot. Yeah, but I it ended up not being. They got they moved down from Thomas, traded him away, and uh, I think he might have been a little bit limited by Case Keenum throughout the the rest of the season and uh, just being a rookie. Yeah, but uh, I I would still I think if we were looking back, uh, I would still have him as my number one. All right, yeah, I think uh, everything you just pointed out on him is very true. I, I was the same boat in the same boat. We are uh, both uh, obviously writers for the FLA. We have a little chat going there, and uh, one of the the head editor there is a huge Broncos fan, so we always kind of talk back and forth with him. Um, and I agree with you one hundred percent on everything you said with him. I thought that uh, he would kind of be a year away, and then when they traded away Demarius Thomas, he was someone that. And a lot of people in the fantasy community did. It wasn't just you, me. I mean, a lot of people talked about how he was the guy who was going to step up. And while he did struggle at first, he did kind of, he stepped up big there toward the end of the season. I think flashed and showed everything that you were just talking about. Uh, for me, it was DJ Moore. Uh, I just loved his all-around game. I thought he was, in my opinion, the only elite wide receiver in the class in 2018, just based on his speed and everything that he brought. Um, was a little disappointed with him going to the Carolina Panthers. I did think that he would be the first wide receiver drafted in the NFL, and he ended up being the first wide receiver drafted. Uh, but that was kind of the one spot I think you didn't want to see him go, just because I do think, much like Case Keenum limited Cortland Sutton, uh, Cam Newton limit, limits uh, what DJ Moore can do. Now, he is a very talented, one of those guys who he can get the ball five yards you know, from the line of scrimmage and 
make make plays happen. He could take it 60, 70, 80 yards to the house or whatever he wherever he is out on the field. He's a threat to take it to the house every time. But, uh, again, I think Cam limited him a little bit. And uh, the wide receiver who finished number one on the year I have is uh, – and, of course, my, my scoring here that I have it listed as uh, is half-point PPR. So my wide okay. receiver one was Calvin Ridley, which I know is the same as yours that you had on here. He was the one who finished – as the number one rookie wide receiver overall, of course, a lot of that coming in the fact uh, was touchdowns. Touchdowns was by far the reason he finished up there. He scored more touchdowns than everybody else on the list, um, and a lot of that coming in multiple, and not even in multiple games. I'm sorry, he was in. I think a couple games he had those touchdowns where it was just ridiculous. He scored three touchdowns in one. I think three touchdowns in another as well. Yeah, I had uh, yeah, more at number two. Okay, uh, he was my wide receiver too. Now my uh, rankings I have on the sheet here are PPR and I only uh, did them through week 16. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm, that might... I'm, I'm going to be stubborn about that week 17 thing. So <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, I think mine did actually go through week 17. I was just kind of looking at the list quickly and then writing it down. So that might be where our difference is on there, but we did both have Ridley on there. Um, and I think more came in uh, two on your list. Um, obviously for my list, I had, I actually had Christian Kirk as number two on my list. Uh, obviously didn't finish anywhere up near the top two. Uh, I just thought with his ability, um, to play the slot, which I know he was going to be limited there with Larry Fitzgerald, obviously, uh, I really thought that he was going to be able to kind of grow with Josh Rosen. I expected Rosen to get in there sooner than he did. Um, and I, as much as I don't like Josh Rosen as a quarterback, I thought he'd be much better than he looked. I think. Arizona, unfortunately, as a team, probably suffered some losing uh, as many injuries as they did in the offensive line early in the year is what caused that offense to suffer, but obviously just a horrible year for them. But I still like Christian Kirk to be up there near the top of the class. He was my number two. And you said Moore was your number two? Yeah, Moore, Moore was the wide receiver, rookie wide receiver two over uh, wide receiver two and the yeah. number 38 wide receiver overall. So he ended up being a high-end four. Right. Ridley, because of his touchdowns, was a, a wide receiver 22 overall. So he was a low-end wide receiver, too, yeah. uh, on the season. Sutton ended up as a PPR wide receiver 3 and wide receiver 50 overall. So all three of them had pretty good rookie seasons, but uh, Ridley's touchdown his touchdown scoring is really what pushed him up. Right, at number like one. Said. Yeah, yeah, and I think and that's something we'll talk about here in a minute with touchdown regressions and everything. That's not something that I would uh, rely on going forward. I think some of these guys like Sutton and Moore are guys that you can – and even Kirk, because I thought Kirk played really well at times before the injury. Uh, those are guys that you can rely on more with the catches and the yards they were getting compared to Ridley. Uh, while he had a few games with a lot of catches and yards, most of his points came from the multi-touchdown games. So who was your number three wide receiver on the year? Uh Calvin Ridley was my number three, so I feel good saying I, I had the, the top three wide receivers. I just didn't have them in top three order. Right, right. I get so, you. Now, Ridley coming in at wide receiver 22 because of those touchdowns, the number one scoring rookie wide receiver. You know, he uh, – I, I, I don't know if it's – I think he was a function of his team and his situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he went to a team that – He's got a, a bona fide number one wide receiver, a really good number two. And so he can, uh, with with a very solid veteran quarterback and good offensive scheme, 
I, I think he really benefited from a lot of single coverage. So it was, I, I agree that with you that his touchdowns are going to regress, or at least they should. But I could see him maybe picking up a few more receptions from uh, Muhammad Sanu. Uh-huh. And with Tevin Coleman leaving, there's an opportunity he might pick up some receptions there. So he could end up staying, uh, improving on his year overall. I, what? Who's there? They got a new uh, offensive coordinator this year. I forget who it is. Uh, Dirk Cutter. Yeah, Dirk Cutter. So, you know, Cutter's familiar. He he was the offensive coordinator for them before he went to Tampa. So he's familiar with Julio. He should. You know, there, there's he, Ryan has played for him. So it's not like he's bringing a brand new offense and going to change everything for everybody. So there's going to be a good strong support system. So. I think the conventional wisdom says that Ridley will regress, but I could see him improving. Uh, you know, if he if he catches 15 more passes and one or two less touchdowns, he's going to come in right around or maybe a little above the same points. So right, right, I agree with you. All right, so my number three was um, Cortland Sutton. No, I'm sorry, it was uh, it was Calvin Ridley as well. I'm sorry, I'm I'm skipping skipping ahead to four. Uh, Calvin Ridley, uh, and for all the things that you said, I thought going into Atlanta, I know it was a, a hot topic issue for a lot of people actually when we were going back. If you go back and look at all the preseason talk about what uh, right, what Ridley would do with that offense, if he would actually be able to get ahead of Muhammad Sanu, and I do think that he was. Uh, obviously, there were games that he was taken out or they just kind of became Julio games and he didn't do anything. Uh, but he did contribute in some games, uh, was very good. Obviously, again, as we've already talked about multiple times now, the multi-touchdown games. I do think going into this year, um, with as good as he looked at times last year, he'll end up surpassing Muhammad Sanu for sure uh, as the number two. And I think that uh, he's shown that maybe not necessarily that he's a number one in this offense, but he's someone that they can build around if Julio decides to hang it up here in the next four or five years. Um, and as you already talked about, he was the number one uh, overall on the wide receiver list. So, who was your number four? Here was my first big miss. Uh, my number four was James Washington. <laughs> uh, I felt like there was a real opportunity for him to have a very defined role in Pittsburgh, uh, and it just did not pan out consistently. Um, I think sometimes his his hands got in his way a little bit, uh-huh. so that's a little bit concerning going forward. He ended up as uh, rookie wide receiver 50 and wide receiver 120 overall. So he's he's definitely a dynasty stash at this point. Uh, he's get, He may get a real big opportunity next year if Antonio Brown really does leave. But, uh, you know, he's going to have to prove that he's better than, than uh, 2018 tape. Yeah, uh I agree with you on that. I do think uh, he's going to be someone that's going to be very interesting to watch, especially if Antonio Brown does leave, uh, which, I mean, in all honesty, all signs are pointing toward him being gone. Um, Will be interesting to see what he can do there with Juju on the opposite side of him. I mean, you know, we, we can't forget that Pittsburgh has a very good history of drafting wide receivers in different parts of the draft and turning them into studs. They've had 
all kinds of guys going back to obviously Antonio Brown. You have Mike Wallace, Juju Smith-Schuster, this uh, Emmanuel Sanders before he went to Denver. Uh, they've done a very good job of drafting wide receivers that not a lot of people were very high on going into the draft process and turning them out uh, into studs. So it's got. I wouldn't say that's just luck that they do their homework. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with coaching as well. Uh, so I, James Washington, I agree with you 100%, is someone to watch. Uh, for me, my number four was Sutton, uh, and we've already kind of talked on him what we thought there's no point really kind of going over everything I agree with you on everything he said I think he's a future has a chance to be a future one he's someone that I was uh not very high on because I was a little worried about him and I think he he really kind of proved all my doubts wrong in in just a little time that he was a a full-time starter here for the Broncos and I'm interested to see what he can do moving forward because I think he does have a chance to to be right there with DJ Moore as the elite of this class who was your number five well, I had Christian Kirk at number five. Okay. Coming out of Baylor, I did have some concern about how well-versed he really was in the route tree. I know there were there was some talk that uh, he would surprise in that area, and I think overall he did pretty well. He definitely has opportunity to grow, and a quarterback I think he can grow with. I'm pretty high on Rosen. I think he's going to be a decent quarterback. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the – Cardinals lost 43 games on their offensive line to injuries last year, and that's pretty hard to overcome. And it it, it showed uh, in the 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 beating that all the quarterbacks in that city took. So uh, I was I'm pretty big. I'm still pretty high on Christian Kirk. He came in as wide receiver five, uh, wide receiver 57 overall. So I right. feel feel pretty good. I nailed that one pretty good. So yeah. <laughs> all right. So for me, my number five was Anthony Miller. Uh, was very big on him coming out of uh, coming out of college and everything. Uh, thought that him going to Chicago was a big deal. I thought that uh, a lot of the coverages would shift over to Allen Robinson. I really did think that uh, Mitch Trubisky, from what we saw from him in year one, he would rely more on Miller, who would likely be kind of in the slot there, switching time with Taylor Gabriel. Those were the guys that I thought were going to do a lot more in this offense compared to Allen Robinson because we really hadn't seen much from Mitch Trubisky and him throwing the ball deep. Uh, obviously, Miller did not um, didn't have a horrible year altogether. He did end up finishing in the top ten technically of the rookie wide receivers in points, uh, but obviously not that high. I still like Miller going forward, though. Um, I would still keep him up near the top of this list. Uh, just looking at a couple of guys below him right now that I have on here, uh, there's only one guy that I would take above him, and when we get to him, I'll let you guys know who that is. So who was your number six? My number six was Antonio Callaway. I was grabbing Callaway when I started my rookie drafts. I was getting him late second round, early to mid third. And by the time I was done with rookie rookie drafts, if I didn't get him at 202, 203, I wasn't going to get him. So he, he came on. He showed that he uh, he ended up being uh, PPR wide receiver number four, yeah. wide receiver 54 overall. So he, he's shown that he's got, he's got some ability and – if he can continue to develop his chemistry with Baker, he's going to be the downfield threat for that team. Yeah, uh, I agree. And he'll be the big play guy there. Uh, he's pretty consistent, runs pretty good routes. He, he's a smart player, a good football IQ from what I've seen. And I think that uh, he just has a, a great opportunity to grow. The challenge, I think, being for, for him is – can he keep his off-field stuff in check? So far, right. so good. And, uh, you know, there's a, a 
a guy in the 19 draft that has a little bit of that same baggage. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll talk about him when we get to the previews there. But uh, I, I had Callaway at number six, and uh, I really like his prospects going forward. I agree with you, and my number six was Callaway as well. Uh, as you know, uh, being, um, again, we were in multiple leagues together, so you know that we were both vying to get him. I was grabbing him everywhere I could as well because uh, I loved him coming out of college. I talked about him. He has all the skills and ability to be, in my opinion, not a wide receiver one, but a high-end wide receiver two with those chances of breaking into the wide receiver one category every couple years depending on touchdowns. Um, and I think, again, like you, you touched on, the only thing that's going to limit him is his off-field issues. That's it. He has all the talent in the world. Now, we did see him struggle with drops a little early on in the season, but I felt like he really improved that going forward. Um, and I agree with you 100%. If him and Baker can get that kind of connection down, I think these two are in for a long, long, good future together on that team. Uh, not only did we obviously both have him there, at six, but he finished, as you mentioned, six altogether in the rookies there, uh, 54 overall. So not a bad year for his rookie year, especially with the fact if you guys, you know, many of you may not be Browns fans, but if you go back and look at it, there were a lot of times that he wasn't on the field for certain things because of the drops that he had earlier on. Um, maybe it was Hugh being Hugh and kind of screwing that team in, in multiple ways, uh, but kept, kind of kept him off the field in times where I felt he should have been out there. I think going forward, that's not going to be an issue. He's going to be out on that field. with. I think it's going to be him, Jarvis, and David and Joku, no matter what, are going to be on that field almost every offensive play. So I'm excited to see uh, what he can do for Cleveland moving forward. Who was your number seven? My number seven was Michael Gallup. Uh, I went in, I had a lot of hope for him. Uh, you know, Dallas didn't have a true number one wide receiver. And I probably, if they had a more passing-oriented offense, I might have had him up a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. But just based on the fact that they're a, a run-first team and that Dak isn't a, a top-end passer, I had him down at number seven. He came in at uh, wide receiver nine, number 75 overall on the season. And I think uh, getting Amari Cooper is probably going to help him because it's now going to take some of the a lot of the heat off him right so it'll come down to will Dak be able to now get two people the ball so I guess that's something to watch going forward yeah uh, and I was very much in lockstep with you on him as well that's who I had at number seven Gallup and everything you just touched on is exactly what worries me with the Dallas Cowboys offense I do think that Amari Cooper being there helps him we saw that a little bit there toward the end of the season and in the playoffs he was the one getting the touchdowns I know Amari Cooper scored uh, one obviously in the playoffs but Gallup was getting a lot of looks because everybody was shifting their coverages toward Amari uh, that again is in what you just mentioned with Dak is my biggest fear with Gallup moving forward uh, is that offense is built so much around Zeke and Amari Cooper that Gallup's touches are going to be limited. So I think he's almost kind of a boomer bust type for fantasy at this point. He, he might get you some catches and some yards, but unless he scores you that touchdown, he's just not going to come through for you, unfortunately. Uh, so until we can see him become a mainstay in that offense and steal touches away from Zeke and Amari, I think he's, like I said, a boom bust, maybe wide receiver three for fantasy. Uh, and could possibly, I think he's got the skill set to jump up into that wide receiver two category. Definitely the speed side of his game. Uh, but until he can steal those touches away, that's just not going to happen. Who is your wide receiver? It'd be interesting to see if he could slide into that big slot role. Uh -huh. If uh, 
if Beasley moves on, well, I would you know, imagine that, that he could is. open up some opportunity for him. He, you know, I think he's got the skill to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's a bigger wide receiver. That would be an interesting opportunity for him. Yeah, I mean, I agree. If they could find a way to get him in the slot, that would be interesting, especially his his speed and size. I mean, again, he's he's one of those guys. Uh, you know, I feel like I say it all the time, but he he's someone who could do a lot of damage after the catch. I felt like uh, that's what he's very good at, especially in college. Um, and if he could get something maybe five yards away from the line of scrimmage and then let him do some work, uh, would be awesome slot wide receiver. We'll see what happens. I'd imagine that Cole Beasley is going to move on just based on everything uh, we've seen and heard. I know, I guess he kind of backtracked a little bit on that, uh, but I, I would imagine from what he said, he kind of wants to move on. I, I'm actually kind of torn on that, and that's something we can talk about more uh, once we get to like our division and team breakdowns because I don't see a lot of teams needing Cole Beasley, so I don't know who or where else he could go besides back to the Cowboys. But besides yeah. that, who is going? Who is your number seven in 2018? I had uh, Equinemia St. Brown at number seven, or uh, number eight, actually, because so, Gallup was my seven. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, you're eight. So, you know, I, I felt like Brown had – he's got – something to prove but he was going to a, a, an offense that had probably the best quarterback or top two or three quarterback in the league when it comes to getting the ball to into the playmakers hands uh-huh. and and green bay had an opening they, they need something across from Devonte adams so opportunity was going to be there and uh you know i think he came on later in the year and he's he's starting to step uh into the the number two role there i feel like uh valdez gantling's probably going to slide into the slot role Uh and uh uh, esb will be the other outside receiver um across from Devontae adams so he came in he had a decent year he was wide receiver rookie wide receiver 12 number 113 overall in ppr so he he did come on and have a finish the year pretty strongly so as long as he can build on that momentum, I think he's uh, positioned real nice for next year. I agree with you. So my number eight was DJ Chark. Um, I was a little um, concerned with uh, the weapons that uh, Jacksonville had going after the draft. Uh, thought Chark was uh, – he's obviously very talented. Uh, I know a lot of people were kind of comparing him, not necessarily as the next Odell, but kind of what Odell did in at LSU and then moving on – uh, into the NFL, didn't have a great quarterback and really kind of showed out what he got to the NFL. Unfortunately, we all kind of, or at least I did, believed in the new Blake Bortles that we saw in the playoffs. I thought maybe he had finally turned the corner uh, and DJ Chark was going to be able to come in there, especially when Mark Easley went down with that injury and kind of profile as an outside wide receiver and do something good. Uh, and while he didn't obviously have a horrible year, I believe he finished as a number, would you got him as 17 overall in the rookies? Uh, so, you know, not, not yeah. a horrible year, 138 uh, for wide receivers overall, but not quite what I thought he would be. Uh, still a very intriguing prospect going forward, though. Uh, but that whole offense, in all honesty, kind of scares me at this moment. So I don't know if I could endorse him, but he definitely has uh, the ability to be a very good wide receiver. Yeah, I had, I had Chark at number nine, and, uh, you know, he – He's got some skill. He's big. He's, what, 6'3", 200? Yeah. He can catch the ball. He can run. And he really – it was it was one of those things where when, when you look at the, the soup that was the Jacksonville 
wide receiver core. Mm-hmm. It was all about opportunity. It was a bunch of it, it was a bunch of guys, and just who was gonna rise to the top. Right. You know, I bet on Chark there at number nine. Uh, I I think he showed some things. Uh, I think he's still got plenty of things to show. But they're going to have to see who comes in and plays quarterback for them. Is it going to be Bortles again this year? They're going to let Bortles walk. They're going to bring in a veteran. You know, what's going to happen with Fournette? How is that going to affect the running game? Are they going to take care of their offensive line so that the passing game can work? So there's there's an awful lot of questions there. Uh, I do think he definitely has an opportunity to step up into a consistent role. I think Moncrief is going to leave. He's a free agent. Uh, he's done with his one-year deal. Yeah. D.D. Uh, Westbrook is the guy that I kind of have my money on in Jacksonville. Agree 100%. So, you know, I like Chark as a prospect. If you have a taxi squad, he's definitely worth keeping on there for another year. Oh, see yeah. if anything happens this year. I agree with you on that. Yeah, I love taxi squads. That's definitely something we'll have to I'll, – I'll make sure that we uh, we talk about that as well, just different dynasty formats. I was actually talking to somebody on Twitter the other day uh, about how they just have like a – I don't want to say not loaded rosters, but they have like a huge amount of uh, roster spots. But uh, for me, I always kind of prefer the taxi squad thing where you're allowed uh, to keep players down on your taxi squad for a certain amount of time for players like DJ Chark. And in all honesty – wide receivers nowadays because it seems like it's taken them you know three to four years to to break out uh, compared to what we saw in 2016 when we had multiple guys break out that first year and become those studs uh we kind of felt like that was going to happen every year and it hasn't been except for i think mari cooper did it in 17 as well Uh, but since then we haven't seen anybody else really do it uh so that's one of the reasons why i love taxi squads that's something we'll definitely have to jump into here in the offseason kind of different uh, different formats and way to play what your favorite is and, and just the differences in uh, the way people play different games. So that was your number eight. Who was your number nine? No, Chark was my number nine. Oh, my goodness, man. My my thing's here is all messed up. I'm trying to, to pull up my notes. Who was your number nine? That's why I didn't give you my number nine. Okay, my number nine was Dante. No, yeah, Dante Pettis. Uh, I liked him going to San Francisco. I do think that uh, he obviously had a decent year, more obviously in the back half of the season. Uh, finishes number seven uh, you have here with the rookie, 70 overall. I do think that he'd have had a much better year had Jimmy G stayed healthy the full year. Uh, obviously, C.J. Beathard, um, and why am I forgetting his name now? I just had it. Uh, he was Nick Mullins? Nick was it Nick Mullins? Golly, I, I thought it was somebody else. Yeah, Nick Mullins, who you know set the world on fire, got verified within a quarter of a game because of how good he looked on that Thursday night game. Was it Thursday night game, right? I thought it was a Thursday night I game. I think so, yeah. Yeah, he just came in and lit up the world. Uh, I do think with Jimmy G moving forward, he is a very, very intriguing prospect. We saw his speed. We saw just some of the beautiful catches he was making on uh, throws from Mullins there. Uh, I, I love this kid moving forward, and I do think he's got a very bright future uh, as to end up being one of the best in this rookie class. Now that we finally, now that I finally figured out how to count and get everything ready, who was your number ten? I had Anthony Miller at number ten, so I, I missed low on him. He he actually produced a little better than I expected. Uh, I was very high on Allen Robinson going into the year, uh-huh. and not necessarily as high on Trubisky. And uh, with Burton uh, and Shaheen at tight end, I felt like there was. Uh, I felt like Miller was going to get lost in the shuffle a bit. So 
So him coming in at uh, wide receiver six, number 59 wide receiver overall, uh, caught me off guard a little bit. Uh, I think he uh, he had a good year, and he's definitely got some potential. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I that w- he was probably uh, – him and Pettis were probably my two big misses. Oh, so I was right on char- or, or on Miller. I was looking at your list wrong. I actually had him ranked fairly good for what he finished. All right, so my number 10 was ESB. Um, and a lot of the stuff you touched on was why I had him at 10. Uh, going into that offense, Aaron Rodgers, who I think possibly the, or could end up being the greatest quarterback of all time. I know he doesn't have the rings, and we'll save that discussion for another day. Uh, but I love Aaron Rodgers. I thought him going there with the ability the chance to play right away because they needed wide receivers. Obviously he struggled very early on. We heard Aaron Rodgers kind of come out and talk about that, uh, kind of throwing some of those guys under the bus and not necessarily knowing the playbook and everything. I do think that he is the guy there. I agree with you. I think he's going to step up and be the number two opposite of Devonte Adams. And my one thing for pe- to say to people who kind of uh, don't really are not high on him or anything, he's a physical freak and we have to remember that a lot of people were very high on Devontae Adams coming, or not even that high on Devontae Adams coming out. I think if most people probably had him in like the second round of their rookie drafts. And the people who did like him, though, when he came out, everybody thought he was going to break out right away, and he didn't. There's just something about in that offense, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust you, he's not going to you and throwing the ball. Look at what Devontae Adams has become. Now that Aaron Rodgers trusts him, Jordy Nelson has moved on. Adams is the guy. I don't expect ESB to ever be Devontae Adams, but I think he can be much better than what he showed this year. Um, He showed flashes of it, obviously, but I do think he has that chance to really kind of become that next guy there in Green Bay to pair with Devontae Adams. Yeah, I agree with with that. All right, who was your number 11? My number 11 was... uh... A real wild card. Uh, I, I went with Auden Tate out of Florida State. Okay. He was drafted by Cincinnati. I felt like they were going to have a need for what he does well, which is that uh, fade to the corner. I, I expected he would get uh, more opportunity than he did. Mm-hmm. But Tyler Boyd really burst onto the scene yeah. and uh, took over the number two role. And uh, it it really put Tate on the back burner for most of the season. I still think Tate has some opportunity going forward uh, to play uh, a a role in the short game, the the end zone, the red zone, you know, that first down, he's got a big, he's a big bodied guy. He's, he's a a little bit faster, a little more fit Kelvin Benjamin. Mm -hmm. So he he can get out there and kind of get the defender on his backside and still make the play. So, uh, I still like him. I probably had him uh, at number eleven. He was he was way too high. He came in at uh, rookie wide receiver twenty six, number one seventy one overall. He spent a, a good amount of the year uh, on the practice squad. So big miss there. Well, that's all right. I see. That was just for twenty nineteen. He still has a chance to prove himself. I did like uh, Auden Tate a little bit coming out of college. I just kind of was looking through through my stuff. and I'm Not necessarily that high on him, but I still think he has a chance to – he could still obviously jump up and be that good. Uh, we can't really 
trust all these guys, uh, you know, value and what they've done on just one year. They, they've got multiple years to prove us, prove us right or really prove us wrong like, you know, Rojo has for me. So, you know, you think Auden Tate was a bad call. Just remember, I had Rojo up in my top five. So, you know, I'm, that's going that to stick. That makes me feel better every day. Oh, I'm glad because it's going to stick with me for a long time, unfortunately. All right, so my number 11 was uh, was Kiki Kuti. Uh, I liked him coming out of college. Uh, he wasn't at my number 11 early on in the process. I believe I had him probably closer down to 15, 16, going back over a lot of my notes and everything. What pushed him up there, obviously, was just how bad Braxton Miller looked and everything, although I love Braxton, uh, obviously former Buckeye. I, I was hoping that he would able be able to work out in the NFL as a wide receiver, especially with him transitioning to wide receiver at Ohio State to to allow JT Barrett to be the quarterback. Uh, but I thought Kiki Kuti would be able to jump right into this offense and just explode on the scene uh, with uh, Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. You know you're going to have to double at least one of those guys, if not try and get both of them. And I thought with no tight end, no concernable tight end really, in that offensive game, it was going to allow Kiki Kuti to be open a lot in the middle of the field, especially uh, with the fact that they also did not have a running back that could catch passes, really. Lamar Miller not really known for that, and obviously no one knew when De- Donta Foreman was going to come back. So Kiki Kuti was my number 11. Uh, I can't remember exactly where he finished. I have him a 65th overall in the rookie scoring, uh, but wide receivers, it looks like he finished 13th, 12th or 13th, so not too far off on him, and I, I do like him moving forward as a very, very interesting prospect for fantasy. All right. Yeah, I— I was kind of I wasn't in on Kuti. I was I thought Miller was going to be able to hold that job. I I feel like you know I'm not sure what didn't click for Miller. I thought with his quarterbacking background he would uh, be able to really grasp the concepts and you know, for whatever reason it just didn't happen. So yeah, I, I think uh, you know just going back and looking at his stuff, I think it was probably just the injury issues. He was off the field so much, and I don't know if that's just his body not used to kind of. Being, I wouldn't say on the field that much because he did a lot of running, obviously, with the ball as the quarterback for Ohio State. But I think maybe just some of the hits that he was taking and everything as a wide receiver, having to go across the middle. Because, I, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of him play, obviously. Again, huge fan. I know you're a Buckeyes fan as well. Uh, I don't remember him really kind of like alligator arming any catches across the middle or anything. So maybe just taking that beating, he wasn't ready for it. Uh, but I think that's probably his biggest issue or why he kind of – got uh, taken away or or cut from the Texans was just the injury issues. He was just not on the field enough uh, for them. Not that Kiki Kuti was either. Kiki Kuti suffered a lot of injuries there toward the end of the season as well. Uh, So who is your number 12 uh, for the rookie wide receivers in 18? I had Dante Pettis at number 12. Okay. Uh, I might have had him a little higher. He came in at wide receiver 7, number 70 overall. I just didn't see the opportunity there for him, you know, Garcon was healthy. Goodwin was there. Trent Taylor was there. Uh, So I didn't really see opportunity, which was part of the reason I had him as low as I did. Um, You know, it'll be interesting to see going forward what happens with uh, San Francisco. I hear a lot of people uh, putting Antonio Brown out there, which certainly won't be real great for Dante Pettis. Um, But, uh, you know, Pettis has shown – some ability so Mm -hmm. you know I like him as a player uh probably not a target for me to go acquire uh, even now okay um there's still a a, a, I don't I just don't know long term what to expect is he you know is he going to be a special teamer is he really going to be able to step into a 
you know, I don't, I don't think he's a slot guy. So it means he's going to have to be a one or a two. Uh, I don't think he's a one. So that means he's going to have to be a two. Mm-hmm. And is he going to be able to hold up being a two? So I got you. The future will tell. All right. So for me, my number 12 was uh, James Washington. Uh, I just, my biggest concern with him, I obviously I, I love what he looked like coming out of, uh, coming out of college was a very fast, great wide receiver. I thought really good hands. Uh, I just didn't think he'd be able to get enough in this offense. Uh, for me, if you really go back and look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, for the most part, they're really always able to make two wide receivers relevant. They're not very often. They have three very relevant fantasy wide receivers. Uh, they are able to do it every once in a while. Obviously, Big Ben is still a, a very talented quarterback. Struggled a little bit this year. I mean, maybe that's why Washington wasn't able to do much, but I just didn't think he'd be able to really cut in uh, to what Juju and A.B. were going to be able to do. We all know when A.B. doesn't get the ball, he's going to complain about it, and then he's going to get force-fed the ball the next couple games. And so I just figured with James Washington, as skilled as he was, with A.B. and Juju being ahead of him, he just wasn't going to be able to jump him. So before we move on to the 19 wide receivers, who is one wide receiver you think out of this class has a chance to jump right up there? Maybe it's someone down in the bottom of your top 12. Maybe someone not even that you had ranked in your top 12. What guy do you think has a chance to really jump up next year? Oh, you know, of the guys that, of the guys on this list, you know, I could see, I, I honestly, I could see Antonio Callaway costing Jarvis Landry his job. Wow, okay. I've never been a huge Jarvis Landry fan. I think Jarvis Landry thinks he's Odell Beckham, uh-huh. and he's not. He's he, Jarvis Landry is closer to Cole Beasley than he is to Odell Beckham. Okay. And he won't admit that to himself. And I think if you watched last year, you know he can catch a pass occasionally uh-huh. down the field, but that's that's just he's just not good at that game. So I, I can see. Landry getting frustrated with a situation, getting mouthy, you know, becoming a problem because he wants to be that number one down the field guy. Uh-huh. And when you had uh, Perriman come on, play really good. Rashard Higgins looked really good. Uh, I, love uh, Hollywood. I, I think with, with if you have Njoku, you have Callaway out at the one, Higgins at the two, uh, or Perriman out at the two, Higgins in the slot. You know, there's four really solid receivers. And, you know, I don't know if Kitchens will put up with a headache. Uh-huh. So, you know, that's maybe me not being a fan of Landry's game. Uh, again, I'm team big wide receiver. And so <laughs> when I see a five foot 11, six foot 200 pound guy that wants to be a big guy, you know, Odell is the exception, not the rule. You know, Antonio is the exception, not the rule. Right. Um, and, you know, Jarvis is the rule, not the exception. So. I got you. All right. I like it. I like it. I'm, I am a huge fan of Juice. I think uh, he's a very good wide receiver. Uh, I do uh, not necessarily like some of the ways that he plays his game, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of times that I think he tries to do those flashy one-handed catches where if he just used both his hands, he's coming down with the ball instead of dropping it. Um, but I do kind of agree with you in certain things. I know, um, again, I'm not in Miami or Cleveland, so there's no way for me to really know, but I have read stories talking about how that is kind of the reason why him and Adam Gase got uh, so against each other in Miami was that Jarvis wanted to be an outside wide receiver, not a slot wide receiver, and I think his game is more built to be a slot wide receiver. 
Uh, but in all honesty, uh, if, if I had to choose, I'd rather have Hollywood Higgins in the slot. I've loved the way that dude progressed with, uh, with Baker Mayfield. He's someone who a lot of people were very high on, including myself, back in the 2017 draft that people were getting in like the third or fourth round of their rookie drafts that not a lot of people thought was going to do anything. And I was one of those people who thought he would. Obviously, he didn't do anything last year. Um, and again, we'll blame whoever you want there. Maybe it was just them not having, obviously, a, a transcendent, well, I shouldn't say transcendent, but a very good quarterback right now in Baker Mayfield. Uh, I love the way that he looked. But for me, my guy that jump up there, uh, I'm trying to decide between two. Uh, it, it was come down between James Washington and ESB for me. I'm going to go ESB just because I really think that he's going to be able to take that that second-year jump here with Aaron Rodgers and that offense. Uh, you know, James Washington was a close second just because, again, all the talk seems to be pointing toward uh, Antonio Brown leaving the Steelers, and I think that's going to open up a clear hole for him. Uh, but I also think ESB is just a tad bit more talented than James Washington. So I'm going to go ahead and go with ESB. Out of your top four or five guys that you had on your list, who do you think is going to drop off this year? Oh, well, it's easy to say James Washington because I had him ranked at four and he came in at 15. Right. Um, so that's kind of the easy one. I, I think, uh, you know, Sutton is going to, he may suffer from uh, having Case Keenum as his quarterback. You know, DJ Moore makes, he's going to continue. You know, I think Moore is going to be okay because they're not going to bring Funches back. Moore is going to be the number one. Right. You know, Ridley is gonna. Ridley is still gonna be the three. He might overtake the two. Uh, Kirk, it's gonna come down to injuries. Uh, you know, Larry's coming back, so maybe Kirk could drop off a little bit, uh, depending on what they do in free agency in the draft. Um, I guess of my, if if I look at my top twelve guys and who I think might actually, you know, I, I think Pettis is gonna drop down uh, from where he is this season. I think he'll he, wide receiver 70 overall. I don't think he'll finish below that, but I don't think he's going to jump up into the wide receiver three category. Uh, I, I think there's going to be some opportunity. I, I think that, I think San Francisco is going to go get a bonafide stud, whether okay. it's a B, whether it's one of these wide receivers in this draft, um, and they're going to give that that guy a shot. You know, Marquise Goodwin really showed well. If he can stay healthy, you know, Kittle is a monster. So I, I would expect that while Pettis might move up to wide receiver, you know, 50, uh-huh. 55, I think there's a lot of people out there that think he's going to move up into the, you know, the 20s or 30s. Okay, gotcha. Uh, for me, mine uh... – Man, I just lost it. I had it right there in my head. Mine would be Cortland Sutton. Um, I still, like I've talked about many a times with uh, the, through this out this episode with you, talking about how much I like him as a prospect. But next year, um, and I'm just basing this on next year, who someone could drop down, uh, it's going to be him because of Case Keenum. Case Keenum, unless they're able to fundament, fundamentally change him, he's not going to take a lot of shots, uh, shots downfield. And I think that's where Sutton is going to thrive in this offense. 
Um, going to be interesting to see what they do, especially cause with Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think that he'll be able to come back in time with that Achilles injury for the start of the season. Uh, so it's going to be Sutton and Hamilton um, and probably Tim Patrick. Um, I think that Hamilton and Patrick are going to uh, get a lot more work out of Keenum being shorter, uh, kind of in the short intermediate areas where Sutton usually goes downfield. So I think Sutton is the one for me out of my top five that will take a step back next year just based solely on the quarterback. All right. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any real expectation that uh, uh, Sanders actually makes it back next year. Really? I mean, Achilles are rough. They're the right. one of the hardest injuries. It was late in the season. Uh, he's in his early 30s now. You know, I the only I think the only way he really comes back and has any impact is if they just really struggle at wide receiver and it's deemed the wide receiver's fault. I think, isn't Sanders a free agent also? Uh, they can pick up his option this year. I know that was a lot of talk uh, earlier in the year. It was like him him and Demarius Thomas were going to count a lot toward the cap, and they could. a lot of the talk was they were going to take one or the other, and then a lot of people assumed that they'll pick up his option this year because they traded Demarius Thomas. Uh, they might not. I mean, that could be something they just let him go. Uh, I think the, the dead money hit is only like $6 million compared to, I think, 10 plus if they keep him, so they may just let him go because he won't. I agree with you. I don't think he'll be back. Uh, I forgot that it was that late in the season. It reminds me a lot of like Dante Foreman last year. He got injured so late, and we saw him not even come back to like week eleven, week twelve. Um, so I, yeah, he he might not be back at all. It'll be interesting. It'll be horrible to see if that uh, if he gets let let go and then possibly not get to come back at all. Especially like Demarius Thomas uh, have to have to sit out practically this whole their whole year this year, uh, being as old as they are. If they'll even get a chance next year going into the new new uh, new NFL year. All right. So let's start talking about our ranks for the 2019 wide receivers. Now, I feel like i got to say this every time just because someone's going to ask about it. This is very early on in the process. These ranks will likely change uh, throughout the process, but this is just kind of our first look at these guys. Who do you have at number one for your wide receiver rankings coming out of college for 2019? Well, again, at this stage in the offseason, I have them in tiers. Right. So – but uh, my first tier is a tier of one, and it's Keneal Harry. Wow. Oh, I could not disagree with you more there. Go Harry. ahead. Go Dang, ahead. I was practicing that name, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. tell, me, tell me why you have Harry as your only player in the uh, wide receiver one tier for you. Or tier one, I'm sorry. Not just necessarily think, the wide receiver one, but your tier I, one. I, I just think that right now, you know, and it's early on, and I haven't, I, I've read some articles. I've seen a few highlights. I haven't watched a lot of non-highlight uh, games uh, and plays of players. Uh-huh. And and right now, Harry just feel he feels like he feels like a bona fide number one wide receiver. Okay. Um, we'll see. He's he's got the size. He's got the speed. Uh, he's made the plays. Let's see what is. Uh, let me get his stats up here real quick. You you know he. 73 catches for just under 1,100 yards, nine yeah. touchdowns. So, you know, he, he, he can make some plays at 14.9 yards per reception. You know, he, he's not catching bubble screens. He's catching balls down the field. And, right. And uh, he's got the ability to go up and, and get the ball. So right now, I feel like they're, you know, my tier two is bigger than any other tier. And so I, I, I expect that there might be, some movement, some splitting, tier one, getting a player or two as I look into it a little more. Uh-huh. So, you know, 
right now it's Camille Harry. Okay. Nikhil Harry. Dang it. I got you. <laughs> well, we're obviously going to disagree here. I've got I, – I love this wide receiver class. I think that um, – in all honesty, I honest I don't see my tier one changing much. I have four players in my tier one, four players that I think could be elite wide receivers at the next level. Which I know sounds like a lot, but these four guys, and I'll be honest, much like you, I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of the lowlights, uh, but I have watched a lot of the highlights, read different stuff, and the I just can't imagine these four guys not panning out. Now, chances are all four won't, uh, but I'm in love with these four guys, so I'll touch on them real quick, and then I agree with you, my tier two. Right now, again, we're only going to do 10 players today. Throughout the offseason, we'll go through all of them at some point. Uh, but my Tier 2 is literally the rest of my 10. It's I've got six players in my Tier 2 uh, because I think this wide receiver class is so deep. Uh, so for me in my Tier 1, I have Kelvin Harmon out of North Carolina, 6'3", 213. Um, I think he's very dominant player, uh, very fluid, very good ball tracking, great burst and speed for his size. Um, I think he has a chance to be a number one, obviously, in the NFL. My number two is DK Metcalf at Ole Miss, 6'3", 225. I think he is by far the most physical, uh, dynamic wide receiver in this draft. We didn't get to see him much this year because of the neck injury that kind of kept him out pretty much the entire year. Uh, but he is very, he is still very raw at this point, but he is a very dynamic wide receiver. He is a great vertical explosiveness. He's one of those guys who can get by you in a hurry. His size and everything, so someone as big as he is, his speed is ridiculous. My number three in this class is OJ, OJ, AJ Brown out of Ole Miss, 6'1", 225. Um, why I like him so much is because of how big he is, yet he profiles to be more of a slot wide receiver. That's what he played mostly at Ole Miss. Um, and it kind of goes back to uh, what we were talking about earlier with Michael Gallup's having someone that big and, uh, He's not necessarily as fast as Michael Gallup, but he has some decent bursts and some decent speed. But having someone that big being in the slot position I think could be huge. Um, he's got great hands as well. And then number four, and in all honesty, the guy that I'm going to try and grab in every draft because I have completely fallen in love with this guy is Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State, 6'6", 225. A huge, huge wingspan, great size. He attacks the ball physically, has, uh, like I said, great hands. He's a great route runner, uh, very good at getting those yak yardage, great speed and burst for his size, always attacking the high point. But my biggest thing on him and everything that I've seen is he's a very good and willing run blocker, which I think will be huge for him coming into the NFL because it means he's going to be on the field more often than some of these other guys who aren't necessarily willing to put their bodies on the line and block. With uh, Butler being out there, he's going to stay out there all the time being a willing blocker. All right. Yeah. I, uh, you know, when I looked at it, uh, Metcalf was probably the closest of any of those guys at being in the, the tier with Harry for me. Uh-huh. But I, I, I'm a little skittish with the injury. Neck injuries are no joke. Right. And yeah, that was his second injury, uh, not to his neck, but his second injury that caused him to miss some games. And so I'm a little, I get a little bit, you know, it was just enough to, to for me to split him and put him back down in tier two. Gotcha. Um, like I said, I, I think there's going to be uh, opportunity for uh, this to shake out and be a little more balanced in the tiers. Uh, for me, my tier two, I had uh, most of the, those guys. Uh, I had A.J. Brown, Metcalf, Kelvin Harmon, Butler, and Anthony Johnson out of Buffalo. Uh -huh. now, I like Brown for very much the same reason you do, but 
I, I've seen a lot more talk about him not just being a slot guy. Yeah. That he he has some some pretty good outside ability, but it, at six one and two twenty five, that's like a that's like a big version of DJ Moore. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't so have the. You, you know he's got some ability to run. Uh-huh. Um, Metcalf, I, I think Metcalf is uh, going to have a great opportunity to be the best receiver in this class. But I, I want to see – I need to – he's cleared for football activities, but I want to see uh, – I need to dig more into what really was the neck injury. Okay. You know, is it is it going to – is there a risk of it recurring? Um, is there – what are the things that – you know, what caused it? Was it just a, a fluke hit? Was it something uh, different than was it something different uh, or something that could very easily uh, occur? Um, you know, I, I agree with you on Butler. I think Butler has immense potential, um, and from what I've read about him, uh, phenomenal kid. Came from a really rough background, had, yeah. had some real challenges, and uh, is just a, a phenomenal kid. So if I want to see anybody succeed from a personal standpoint, it's Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like Kelvin Harmon at North Carolina State a lot. Yeah. Uh, again, this is it, for for a guy like me. This is like my wide receiver class. This is all team big wide receiver. Right. Right. And so you know, Har- Harmon at six two two fifteen, uh, he put up a ton of numbers um, on a team that uh, I don't think had a, a terrific year last year even. No, so, yeah, they did. Uh, and then Anthony Johnson, you know, he, he it's uh, Jackson's go-to guy there. Oh yeah, I know. again, six-two and an eight, two hundred and eleven pounds. Um, he's a he's the first senior to make my list, fifth-year uh-huh. senior. So he's going to be coming into the league a, a little bit older, a little bit more mature. So um, we'll see how it goes. Again, another big guy. So all the top six that I have there, uh, the smallest one is six foot one. And the lightest one is 211 pounds. So, right. team big wide receivers showing out this year. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with you on that. This class is uh, loaded with those guys. I mean, I have, I'm not even going to lie, I have 11 guys on my list because I could not separate my last two, even though we were only supposed to have 10. Um, and out of all my guys, there's only two on my list that are in my tier two that are under six foot, and that's Marquise Hollywood Brown and Debo Samuel. They are the only two that I like out of this class so far, uh, at least in my top ten, that are not above the six-foot range. Uh, When it comes to DK Metcalf, what you were talking about, I actually don't know. I believe it happened on the field, but I I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. But I was reading different stuff on it that it's not something that's going to be – that that could get injured fairly easily or reoccurring. And then we talked about it, I think, with the running backs. Uh, The reason why I have him so high is because I just – I mean, you, you just said it yourself. You, he's got the ability. He looks to be a phenomenal athlete. I'm willing to take that risk. I'm going to do it. I, there's a very high chance he's not going 1-1 in the rookie draft for anybody. Most people are going to take Harry. Uh, Harry and I think Harry and Harmon are the two guys that are up there for everybody. It's kind of being those consensus right there, 1-1, one, 1-2 one, one, picks. Uh, but Metcalf, I think, has that ability to be – by far the best wide receiver in this class, and he's someone you're going to be able to get, I would think, at like the one five one six. and for me, that's a steal. Uh, I'd be willing to take a chance on that just based on what I've seen from him. So for me, my tier two, like I said, it is literally the rest of my list, so I'll give you those, and then we'll get uh, yours if you have any tier three guys. Uh, the top of my tier two is is uh, Harry. Uh, like 
you've been saying 6'3", 216, and he does have phenomenal speed again for his size. This is, like you just said, the big boy class right here. All these guys huge, and a lot of these guys very good speed. Uh, he profiles to be an ex-wide receiver, which I think could be good for him, especially if he goes to an offense need in it. Very, a deep threat, receiving, yard, uh, receiving yards after the catch, that red zone threat. Uh, he almost always comes down with the ball in contested situations, which I think is great, obviously, for quarterbacks, knowing they can just throw it up and he's going to go get it. Right after him, I have Marquise Brown out of Oklahoma. Again, 5'10", 168. Um, I do think what I love about him is I could see him being uh, like a lighter version of Tyreek Hill. Uh, we saw it a little bit out of Oklahoma. They would uh, Lincoln Riley would move him around and use him in that kind of asset, running the ball and everything. Uh, they can move him all around the field. I think he is going to end up being the fastest player in the draft besides Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell, I'm saying it right now, is going to be the fastest player. That dude is legit, and if he didn't have such issues with double catching the ball and dropping it, he would be in my top 10. I love that guy, uh, but just because of those issues, he didn't make my top 10. But I think Marquise Brown is going to be right there with Campbell as the fastest players in this draft. Um, and he obviously, just because of that, he's got that game-breaking speed. He's someone who will be put on special teams and make a name for himself there. And when he gets out on the field, if they move him around, if he gets into an offense that he's able to move around in, he's going to be a legitimate uh, fantasy wide receiver for everybody. And following him up would be Debo Samuel, who I think is the same thing. Not quite as fast as Marquise Brown, but the same thing. He's got an exciting skill set. Great speed can be used all over the field, uh, but he's also one of those guys who's a little bit smaller, 5'11", but he's got some meat on his bones, 215, compared to Brown, who's just 168. After that, for me, is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside out of Stanford, 6'2", 222, great speed, uh, great burst, really great uh, body control. This is a guy, if you watch his catches, he's someone who does a really good job of keeping not just one, but both feet down, which is not a requirement in the college game, so the fact that he's already doing that is very good. Uh, but great body control when he's trying to catch the ball. Very physical, very good. One of the best in this class at high-pointing the ball. After that, for me, was Demarcus Lodge for, from Ole Miss. Uh, 6'1", 199. And I'm going to kind of go against myself here, talking out of both sides of my mouth, unfortunately. But I guess that happens for, for some fantasy analysts. Uh, I actually think that he might or could end up being better than both Brown and Matt Calf, who he played with at Ole Miss. Uh, he is the most pro-ready out of those three. Uh, he's incredibly fast, great ball skills, uh, needs to improve on his route running, which I think could hinder him being uh, a starter right off the bat, and he needs to improve on drops. I think that's why a lot of people are overlooking Lodge uh, over Brown and Metcalf, even though he's right there with him skill set-wise, but his drops have been an issue for him in college. And then my last two, tied at 10, is Terry McLaurin out of Ohio State. Uh, and almost all of this, so I, I'll be honest, I had him down at 13 beforehand, but everything I saw out of him from the Senior Bowl and everything I've read about him being this guy who was out there teaching other wide receivers and other cornerbacks different routes that wide receivers were running, how to help the cornerbacks fight off those wide receivers, play him differently, I thought was huge. To me, that shows just how smart he is in the game. Now, I don't want to say he's Michael Thomas, but I just want everybody to remember what Michael Thomas was coming out of college. He wasn't what he is now. A lot of people had Mike, the real Mike Thomas is what they were calling him, who ended up going to the Rams and did absolutely nothing. Mike Thomas was overlooked because not a lot of people thought he was going to be that good coming out of Ohio State because he was not featured. It was all Devin Smith. 
Um, Ohio State, just for whatever reason, does not feature these guys a lot sometimes with the Urban Meyer offense that was run, and then they end up becoming great pros. And I could see that with him. I really do think that he could be a great wide receiver too. Uh, I know you were talking about earlier saying that you thought he was going to be a good special teams player. I could see that too. Um, But I think that he profiles with the fact that he was the fastest player out of everybody on the field at the Senior Bowl. They clocked him on certain routes running 22 miles per hour. is just ridiculous. And again, I think that the reason he's overlooked is because he was just kind of pushed to the side behind Paris Campbell and K.J. Hill there uh, because of what they were doing on the field. McLaren was just being kind of used as a deep threat, yet he scored 11 touchdowns. That that cannot be overlooked. I think he's going to be a legit player moving forward, and I think he's going to start rising up boards here uh, with the pro day and and the combine. I think he's going to blow the combine out of the water. And then my last guy is Anthony Johnson. You know I've been talking about him for a while. Now, him and Tyree Jackson I've, I've loved out of Buffalo. The connection they've had, uh, he's 6'2", 207, great hands, really good ball tracking, uh, fluid body motion, making difficult catches. He's always fighting for extra yards. And I think him being a fifth-year senior and a little bit older is going to help him. I think he's kind of already developed. He's got the NFL body. Um, I do think he's one of those guys who could step in right away and be a threat to be a, a stud rookie wide receiver in the NFL. So that went obviously a little long, but again, uh, those that, uh, my tier two is deep, and I'm sure it'll eventually kind of shorten itself out here as we go over all those guys. Um, but again, it's early in the process, and it's hard for me to kind of separate a lot of these guys with as good as they've looked throughout the process. So... Who do you have in your tier three or the, to finish up the rest of your top ten rankings? Well, for me, I ended up uh, – I've got Debo Samuel uh, in there. I think uh, he's uh, the epitome of a, a slot player. Right. Uh, and he's – you know, as much as – you know, you talked about talking out of both sides of your mouth. <laughs> yeah. So here, here, it's, it's my turn now. Okay. So Debo is, you know, uh, fresh Jarvis Landry. <laughs> you know, put him in that slot, give him 10 yards, uh, 15 yards, 12 yards, five yards, let him work in that range. And, uh, he's good. He's strong run after the catch, uh, got big hands. You know, he's going to do some things, uh, mature fifth year senior. So I, I like Samuel. Right. I, I think he's got a, a real strong opportunity to, to come in and establish uh, a real solid career. Uh, as a number two slash slot player. Okay. Uh, then I, ha- I have uh, this year's Antonio Callaway in tier three. Preston Williams. Oh, you know, okay. We, we, we talked to, you know, we both had some conversations with uh, Fantasy Jimbo. Uh, and I don't know if you went and watched his breakdown of Preston Williams. No, not but, yet. But uh, I think w- Williams is, you know, 6'4", 210, real good wide receiver. Runs good routes, good hands, can get up and get the ball. Uh, but he's got some off-field stuff going on that's going to really create some problems for him, much like it did Callaway. So he's one of those guys that you know some teams are going to grab in the fifth round that's going to come in and uh, take a position in the top three rotation because of his ability. You know, maybe teams learn, but as things get more PC, you, you've got to work harder to overcome some of those things. Um, my last two in, in my this tier, uh, both Buckeyes. You know, we talked to, about McLaurin earlier and right. Paris Campbell. Um, I think they both bring a, a little. They bring a little something different to the table, uh, even though they're very similarly sized. Mm-hmm. 
I think Campbell has the ability to be that outside guy to get down the field at, at six foot, six one, two oh five, two oh eight. Uh, he can get out there uh, and go make a play down the field. Uh, he can get, uh, you know, he can run that jet sweep that's coming in vogue. Um, McLaurin is that big slot guy, I think. Uh, he's got some good speed. He can get down the center of the field, make some plays. Uh, you know, when I talked about McLaurin and special teams, I just think, you know, they're going to look, when t- people look at the raw numbers, and you see 35 catches for 700 yards. Yeah. You know, he, he did have 11 touchdowns last year. So, you know, he could end up being, uh, I, I could be wrong about how teams see him, but because he's showing such a willingness to do these other things, again, he's a fifth-year senior, he's more mature, he's going to he's gonna continue to impress throughout the process. Um, and then when he gets his shot, he's going to be ready. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Like I said, I, I, I love... And, and I'll be honest, like I said, I didn't have him that high coming into this. He, he was right around 12 or 13 for me, right there with Paris Campbell. Um, and really what's only separated him from Paris Campbell for me right now is what he's done at the Senior Bowl. And like I said, I love Paris Campbell. I think he is going to end up being the fastest player in this draft, and he is a game changer, no doubt about it. I think the only thing that's going to uh, hinder him at the next level is some stuff we saw at Ohio State. He just has a has an issue sometimes kind of catching – catching the ball with his body, double catching it, uh, and and the drops. I think that is going to hurt him for a player with his speed and explosiveness. If he, as as long as he catches the ball, he he has a threat to do whatever he wants with the ball. He's very elusive in the open field. So I agree with you. I hated leaving him out of my top 10, but I just, I I couldn't trust him right now, putting him up there with the, with those issues. But for the most part, I agree with you. Uh, really interested on that one, and uh, we got to see if we can get Fantasy Jimbo on here with us one time because uh, he does some awesome breakdowns for the FS statistics. I was actually looking at his Hakeem Butler one earlier today uh, because he's kind of coming around on the Hakeem Butler train with me. We, uh, Me and him have been going back and forth about Butler a lot uh, on Twitter uh, because I've been in love with him from the beginning, uh, and he's really starting to come around on the Butler side as well, being a, a top possible top three uh, wide receiver pick in the draft this year. So let me ask you this. Yeah. So why is Marquise Brown, what separates him from Tavon Austin? You know what? That's a good question. I think Because Brown... that's what I see when I when I see Marquise Brown. I see Tavon Austin, and I think, you know, maybe I'll draft a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here, here's what I'll say about them. I do think that uh, Brown is a little bit better receiver than Tavon Austin is. And number two... I think Tavon Austin was unfortunately a little bit ahead of his time. Uh, I think if he were to have been, say, drafted or be a younger guy coming into the NFL now, he would be used in the way he probably should have been since he came out. I think, you know, something uh, we've talked about before on the podcast, college concepts are really becoming part of the game now. Where in the past, it was almost kind of looked down upon. I remember back when uh, the Wildcat kind of came into the NFL. I believe it was the Dolphins were using it a lot. Uh, and all the it seemed like all the other NFL teams were kind of using the whole get off my lawn approach and saying, hey, you know, this is not going to last. And, and it didn't. But most of that, I think, being the fact that you don't want your quarterback running around the field taking big hits. But nowadays, we've seen it from a lot of these younger offensive coordinators, head coaches. They're imploring and using these college concepts. And I think if Tavon Austin were to come out now, and you, that's not a bad comp. I would, I'll agree with you on that. Uh, but I think if he were to come out now, 
uh, he would be a much better wide receiver in the NFL because they would find ways to get him the ball in open space, get him you know, down the field, uh, you know, not that everybody's Sean McVay, but kind of use concepts that we've seen him do where it gets these wide receivers open. And that's all it takes is for Brown to get open or get the ball on a jet sweep like you were just talking about with Paris Campbell. Brown has that speed and explosiveness where he gets the ball on something like that and all he's got to do is make one or two defenders miss. He's gone. He's taking it to the house. Now, I think that's what kind of separates him now, if that makes sense, is just kind of what uh, the NFL does nowadays offensively compared to what they did when Austin came out. Well, I mean, but it's not like Austin's out of the league. Right, but he's just kind of, I just don't think, I mean, well, number one, he's on the Cowboys, who their offensive mentality is not nearly at all what we're talking about right now. Um, And maybe that'll change with, I think they're talking about, obviously, Kellen Moore taking over the offensive play calling duties. Maybe he he will do stuff like this, and Austin will be able to, to do that. I just think that what we've seen from guys... Uh, like Tyreek Hill, I know Tariq Cohen's a running back, but what they've done kind of with Tariq Cohen as well, uh, that Marquise Brown and Debo Samuel are those guys who are going to be able, and and in all honesty, Paris Campbell, although he's bigger than both of them, uh, when they come into the NFL, being used and put in the situations for them to thrive like Hill and Cohen have is what's going to separate them from the Tavon Austin types uh, that we've seen in the NFL prior to what's kind of been the revolutionizing of offense here the past couple years. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't know if Tavon Austin is, you know, the right comp for that, but uh-huh. that's just what I see, you know. And Austin was with McVeigh last year, so yes, he's in Dallas now, and Lord knows there's nothing good gonna come from that. <laughs> right. But uh, uh, I don't know. I I I guess I just wanted to get my Marquise Brown Tavon Austin comp out there. Hey, like I said, I don't think it's a horrible one. I I I understand what you're saying with that, but I think uh. For me, and he wasn't really used last year, though, with the Rams either. And you, I just go back and, for me, just thinking off the top of my head, because I don't have, like, his stats or anything pulled up in front of me. Uh, but just thinking about him off the top of my head, I just don't think he's ever been in really kind of a a new age, new era offense. I think he's always kind of been in that offense where it's give it to the running back for, you know, three clouds and, and a, whatever, three three yards and a cloud of dust behind you and not doing anything to try and make him open. And I don't think Tavon Austin, and in all honesty, I don't think Marquise Brown is either. Someone who you can just say, hey, go, you know, just run straight and we're going to get you the ball. Now, in some, obviously, if he were to go to the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes is going to put it on Brown because Brown's going to be able to to outrun the defenders and Mahomes is going to get it to him. But there's not a lot of quarterbacks in the league who are going to throw it that deep. And I imagine having Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs aren't going out to try and get Marquise Brown either in the draft. Uh, but that's just kind of my opinion on it. I, I agree with you, and I understand what you're saying. Uh, but I just think with the offense the way that it is now, Marquise Brown has a chance to, to be a very interesting player for fantasy and the NFL. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us today. Uh, obviously, great great talk today on a lot of the NFL prospects coming out in the 2019 draft. And in all honesty, we haven't even scratched the surface. Uh, much like the running backs, I don't know about you, uh, but I've got close to 24, 25 guys that I think could be drafted in this year's draft. Just very deep uh, at running back and wide receiver. Uh, for me, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. Obviously, moving forward, we'll try and get all these guys talk about everybody, whether it's before or after the draft finishes up. Obviously, that'll be a key for some of these guys if they kind of boost their stock a little bit. 
Thursday, we will be back together again. We will be going over our top tight ends, probably about only five or six in this draft fantasy worthy, so we'll probably just touch on all five or six of them, depending on what you think. I've got six, maybe you only have five, but we'll talk about all the guys that we have together um, and what we think they'll be doing at the next level, and then we will obviously break down the Super Bowl because it's finally here. It, it's this Sunday. Obviously had to go a whole week without anything really relevant NFL-wise, uh, so we'll break that down as well Thursday. Dennis, thank you so much again for joining me today, um, and can't wait to talk to you again on Thursday about the Super Bowl and our tight end prospects. Right on. I'm looking forward to it. You can't see it now, but I'm giving you some dap. So. All right. Well, I appreciate Have it. Have a great I'll, evening. I'll, I'll, I'll dap you and give you some love back, and I can't wait to talk to you again Thursday. Later, buddy. Right on. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only they tackle him at the 40 yard line. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!